Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR, and talent acquisition because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective, proudly supported by the beautiful people at WorkDrive. Welcome. I'm so excited for this conversation. I am too. And now I just heard that WorkDrive is the sponsor. You know, I'm on their board. Oh, I did not know that. (laughs) And I didn't know that was your sponsor. Amazing. I'm like the biggest fan in the world. Awesome. Yeah. And I just love Tracy and everything that she does and creates and the whole way her brain thinks. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell the world, though, what you do, particularly what you're doing at LeapGen? Fill us in a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, Well, once a recruiter, always a recruiter. I started in the recruiting talent acquisition space about 20 years ago and fell in love with employer branding, recruitment marketing, talent attraction, when all of that sort of evolution and consumerization, you know, sort of took took hold. Uh, And And in that process, fell in love with the tech side of things, the tools and solutions we use to make work better for people, to be honest. Um, And so I'm at LeapGen now. I work alongside Jason Averbrook and a ton of brilliant people uh, to do that very thing, make work work better for people. Technically, we're HR consultants, workforce experience designers. We talk a lot about taking a whole person approach to designing work for actual human beings, the way they like to operate, the way they learn best, the the way they want to thrive at work if given the right tools and support. Uh, So we have a really, you know, human message in the way we approach this stuff. Yeah. Uh, And uh, yeah, I'm having a ball. Okay. So the reason I wanted to talk to you was I saw this amazing quote on one of your posts, stop filling requirements and start providing safety, address the toll of fear and create a culture of hope and health do nothing but obsess over the care of nurturing or and nurturing of your own people and you will stop bleeding just a bit stop the bleeding i can't read out loud on a friday Um, (laughs) but i loved what you were saying there but i wondered if you wanted to delve in more what was your thinking behind that like what what was going on when you were like yeah i'm getting i'm getting sort of tired of all of this this talk and shock and surprise over the great resignation i is that because we haven't been designing for humans? Like we're not recruiting humans and hiring employees? Yeah. I mean, so what's, ha- what's happened over the last couple of years is the power has shifted, yeah. right? And it's a, it's a candidate-driven market. That much is clear. But I think employers are having this huge wake-up call that y- while you have power and authority uh, and and maybe in certain market conditions hold the cards when it comes to making decisions about what happens to talent. I think over the last couple of years, employers have realized that people are going to call the shots for themselves. Human psyche has shifted. And what we want is personal safety, psychological safety, our health 
our financial health, our physical health, like so much has been threatened in the last couple of years. Um, and so we've gone into this self-preservation, self-protection mode. Our self-interests come first. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, we, we tend to think that that's a, um, an entitlement thing. No, of course I'm concerned for my own self-interests and the little people that I might be raising or the household or the elders I might be caring for. Of course I'm thinking about that first. Um, and if I start to, and now that the power has shifted yeah. and I, I not only want to, but can make decisions to support myself and what's right for me and my people, um, of course I'll do that if given the opportunity. And so I think employers are just sitting here in shock. Like, you mean a ping pong table won't do it anymore? No. See me, protect me, respect me, keep me safe. That means a lot of things. Pay me fairly. Yeah. Don't harass me at work. Provide actual leadership. Communicate yeah. transparently. Like, we don't ask for much as human beings. And employers still leave a lot on the table, you know. And I think it's sort of, when I think about it, I suppose I have a bit of compassion because, you know, when I started in the workforce 30 years ago, it was carrot or the stick. There was no transparency by the internet. And we were led by a generation that were very much like, be grateful you have a job. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, actually, uh, be grateful you've got employees. <laughs> and it's it's such a switch. And I'm not surprised they're not this struggling because it's like they haven't had the role models in a way. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm being too kind, making excuses for people. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it has the, the relationship we hold with work has changed. And I think that's a very positive thing. I think t one, one and two generations ago, you got a job because you had to, you didn't, you know, you, you didn't, uh, the squeaky wheel did not get the grease. So you kept your head down and you punched your clock and you took home your paycheck and you felt lucky if you were recognized or lucky to be promoted or, um, and if you were marginalized, underrepresented, sort of lacking power or clout, there wasn't much you could do about it. No. You just sort of suffered work. Yes. And that's not, <laughs> yeah, and that's not acceptable anymore. Not only is it not acceptable, here's the thing I'd love employers to understand. Not only is it not acceptable, your business will thrive if you help people thrive. Yeah. Like this is a win-win for literally everybody. And it shouldn't be such a surprise that people, yes, we can be fulfilled by work. Yes, we're emotional and passionate about producing good work. The most powerful force in the world is human emotion. Why would you not want to tap into that for the benefit of business? And so if you connect organizational purpose to what people care about, what they're passionate about, you're going to get nothing but performance yeah. without beating people with a stick. You will get nothing but performance if you treat them well. Yeah, it's so true. And I think about just the stuff I do and how I'll end up like I'm working all, well, probably all the hours because I love what I do and I'm making such an impact. And it's like, yes, because oh, I don't care because I love it. It's just like, it's not about the money. It's about that impact and that feeling, you know, appreciated and the, the difference you can make. Now, before we came on, you were talking about what you would really love recruiters to see, because if you're a recruiter mm. old, you get it. Yeah. It's become too big and all this kind of stuff. Um, and of course, my dog always barks during the podcast recording. <laughs> but we were talking about what you'd like to see when a recruiter gets a requirement. 
Yeah. So the role of talent acquisition, this means acquiring talent, and it usually means acquiring them externally on the open marketplace, right? You're going outside and looking for talent to bring in. Unfortunately, this has become a really um, sort of knee-jerk reactionary thing where somebody vacates a position or a new opportunity needs to be created. Requisition goes through a probably a terrible, clunky, cumbersome approval process. Like don't even get me started on job profiles and workforce management and that kind of thing. We just assume that a position needs to be filled a certain way uh, without asking too many strategic questions about what the business might actually need. So So a poor recruiter gets an approved requisition on their desk and immediately the clock starts ticking. Time to fill, time to fill, time to fill, but in seat as soon as possible. And they're not really put in a position to be strategic on behalf of the business. Mm. I would love to see a world where if a requisition hits, like the recruiter role in my mind is one of the most strategic roles in the business. If the rec hits their desk, I would love to assume that everything else has been considered, that there is nobody internal for this position. If I have an approved requisition to go recruit outside, we've already asked all of the right questions. Is there somebody hoping for this job? Is there somebody who could have been skilled or developed into this role? Have we opened this up? This is why I love WorkDrive. I'm a huge proponent of internal mobility. Please tell me we have considered all viable options for upskilling, developing, internal transfer. Like we've ruled that out already, right? And we've decided that this is the exact role that's needed for the business. Is this an FTE that should be filled more strategically with another kind of head that can, you know, like we've asked all the questions, right? Instead, I think what happens is that we get an approved requisition, a terrible job description. The hiring manager has a laundry list, you know, 20 things long that they absolutely need. And the recruiter goes out, okay, goes out like an order taker and tries to match terrible resumes to terrible job descriptions, presents to the hiring manager, and then the hiring manager is too busy to give feedback. <laughs> like yeah. It's such a terrible process in, for so many reasons. But I think that, you know, the the disrespect we show to the workforce once we bring them inside the business mm. um, by not continuing to recruit them, continuing to develop and recruit them. Retention is recruiting too. That's yeah, something yeah. that I just get nuts about. So what I started by saying the great resignation is driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy because you haven't been paying attention. Mm. You probably haven't been paying attention. And now you're shocked that people are making decisions that are good for them which might not be you. Mm. It's funny when you say that because there's so many different aspects, like who should be making sure that we've considered everybody else first? That's like a big question. But you're also reminding me, I don't know if you saw my menopause post that went out the other day because I'm totally (laughs) celebrating being in post-menopause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I didn't think I would be because it did really feel like a chapter of my life closing, but I'm so excited about it. Anyway, I put in this thing about that 18% of women who are currently going through the menopause, as many as 18%, if you've got them employed, are looking to leave because Mm. they're not getting support at work, let alone the women that have already left and that you need to bring back in. And it's, I I sent it out to a recruiter and a recruiter came back and said, I don't understand your post. And I'm like thinking it's pretty obvious. I'm saying you need to retain the people you are, then you won't be backfilling those 18% of those roles. Like maybe you should just tell HR to like give them some support or 
you know, mm -hmm. stand up and instead of just saying, yes, I'll go find people and say, why? What's going on? Why are we backfilling? You don't have to yeah. follow through, but at least start creating some noise. But yeah, we don't. Uh, is it recruiters? Is it crime managers? HR? Who? Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. is everyone just sort of going, everyone else should do it? Um, I, I mean, I think we need to deconstruct. Um, if you want to view talent as dynamic, nimble, or this organic thing that keeps evolving, we're all individually yeah. evolving. We go through phases and stages. We gain skills. We lose skills. We have aspirations. Sometimes we want to lean back, not lean in. Like We are dynamic human beings. And if we can create the kind of environment where we can flex work opportunity, we can help help people work the way they want to work. And maybe that means I want to work 20 hours per week right now, while I get through this phase of my life, I might be caring for, you know, there might be situations that I'm managing that mean I need to lean out of this right now, but I'm still incredibly valuable, and will contribute high value to the business, I need to make this shift. Or if I'm underemployed, and you're not actually putting me in position to deliver ultimate value to the business, and I'm chomping at the bit. What a miss. What an absolute miss. But we create these, you know, every job has to be, I'm talking salaried now. I know that's not the case for everything. But every job, we make so many assumptions. Monday through Friday, nine to five, you must want to work full time. This is what you get for that. Like, we, we don't flex work enough for human beings who are incredibly flexible. Um, and we don't really we don't really ask enough questions about what people need and want so that they can deliver the level of value and contribution that they can and want to at that time. That's a huge diversity and inclusion statement too, by the way. We don't, yeah, we, we don't ask enough questions and we don't see the whole person in order to set up the right scenario and environment where we can empower and enable people to do what they want to do and deliver the value they want to deliver. And of course, now we've got to this point where people have had a taste of it to a point mm -hmm. because they still mm -hmm. kind of had to work nine to five. Not, not that anyone really does nine to five, do they? But, right. you know, they've been at home, so they've at least had some form of flexibility. And yeah. now they're like, well, now I want it. And it's really interesting watching these companies that are really struggling, even though, even if the company has been so much more productive. Yes. Just by having people at home. And I know that's only one form of flexibility, but they're still like, oh my God, they're still panicking. There's still trust issues. There really are. Um, and I think, yeah, we need to continue breaking the rules. Uh, and that's why it's really important that the power shift has occurred and that it is a candidate driven market because employers really, they don't have a choice. They really do. The moment, I'm telling you, the moment an employer announces that it, their mandatory uh, return to office policy is in effect on such and such date and you must come in and you must, you know, do your I, I know there are a lot of good recruiters in your network, Katrina. Every good recruiter is looking for those announcements to go start cherry picking because guess yep. what? People expect choice and flexibility. And if you're not going to offer it, I'm a recruiter. I can do that for you over here. <laughs> I, um, I've, every audience I've spoken in front of recently, I've been, if your company isn't going to offer hybrid or proper flexible or anything, four day week, whatever, just leave. Go and work at a company because obviously they're recruiters. Go yeah. And work at a company that's going to value its people and bring in, you know, allow yeah. these policies so that, like you said, diversity, all of it. Just, and oh, it's crazy. Yeah. And I just think about, like, I've always thought it's so lovely running my own business because I get to work when I'm in flow. Mm -hmm. 
and there were days like today i haven't done much work it's friday friday's not a great day for me so it's like yeah but i often work on sunday because i love it it's quiet i can concentrate you know and it's i just imagine if we got to that point where we really did we're going to focus on output i call that working like adults what if we all trusted each other to work like adults what what a what a crazy notion <laughs> so where does it go wrong then does it go wrong at school in schooling where we're not taught to be adults and, and like i don't know where does it maybe uh, it's schooling and then we lose it when we go into employment I think so. I mean, school is kind of like work. And we broke those models, too, when when kids had to be sent home from school and we had to figure out how to continue learning in a hybrid or distant model. I think it's an asynchronous, synchronous thing first that we come to realize, can we actually do this without all being together, even if not in a, the same physical environment at the same time? Yeah. And so even the notion of synchronous versus asynchronous productivity, I've uh, LeapGen was already a virtual company before the pandemic hit and spread out among all time zones, mm-hmm. including with an Australia, New Zealand contingent. And so we were already pretty used to calls. What's that? <laughs> I'm just thinking of the time difference between myself, you and the Australia. <laughs> yeah. And so when you work with a with a virtual distributed team, you're already used to asynchronous, you know, sort of working and productivity. Yeah. And it was funny watching my kids navigate schooling and the pandemic because they had to get used to not having access to their teacher or having office hours, making best use of office hours when you did have access. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that notion of asynchronous versus synchronous, that's the first trust thing. I I think we have to get used to like get rid of the baby blanket or security blanket that says, but we're not all in the same room at the same time, or we're not online at the same time. There, there has to be, oh my gosh, we're smart people. We can figure this out, figure out handoffs, figure out how to follow the sun in terms of work productivity, figure out how it's good communication in, in most situations. And so I don't know if it's a trust issue or just take the time to actually design the experience that would allow projects to keep moving, even if everybody's not working on them at the same time. Trying to get my stupid phone to open so I can look at your email signature, which I absolutely loved, which is along the lines of what you're talking about. Ah, finally got to it. Um, much as it's like in font too. Um, I love this that just like also because when we do that, then we've got to set boundaries because mm-hmm. otherwise people work around the clock. And I see that here a lot when people are in Europe, but they've got American clients and they end up working too many hours or even their boss is American and they're here. But I love this. I respect boundaries around my personal time, well-being, caretaking, and rest. If you receive this message while engaged in any of the above, above, please protect your time. You will find no emergencies from me in an email. I just loved that. And I just thought yeah. it sets the tone of I'm sending this when it suits me. You reply mm-hmm. when it suits you. We'll yeah. Yeah. And some people schedule emails to do the same thing or, there, you know, there's lots of hacks we can use um, to be respectful of time and boundaries. But the first thing we all have to do is do that for ourselves. Yeah. And especially if you're in a leadership position, you manage a team, people look up to you. Um, you're giving you're not only doing it for yourself, you're giving everybody else permission to do that. Um, I had that conversation internally on my team this week. Is that a real deadline or is that an artificial deadline? Let's yeah. show each other respect and call it what it is. No crying wolf around here. And we, we don't, 
jump if we don't need to jump. Sometimes you do need to jump, but is this real or is this artificial? Like we we have to stop this slavery to the screen and this slavery to work thing. Like this, like our notifications going off in all of our work tools are like we're like it's like this Pavlov's dog thing. Like so, like we just jump all the time, and yeah. that is yeah. not a way to live. And no. so I think. And we have to do it for each other. One person can't do it because then they look like the rogue, you know, like, why do they get to not check in on weekends? Well, none of us do. Please don't check in on your holidays. Please don't check in on your, like, we have to agree. There has to be some sort of like handshake and consensus around this that we're going to respect each other and have some, some healthy boundaries. It's funny you say that because it's so much of what I teach in my mastermind is all about boundary setting and confidence and being a bit fearless and, you know, says the two women who are really fearless. But, you know, the the pushing back on that, like you say, is it really urgent? So the hiring managers that drop that job spec and it's like, do you ever ask them when they need it filled by? Do you show them how many other roles you're working on? Do you ever push it back? Right. Well, really? (laughs) So like you're saying, it's almost like, well, the job's in, I've got to jump. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe mm-hmm. wait three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, they could wait three weeks while they go and check internally. Yeah, <laughs> They go exactly. all that work drive. And <laughs> or the business it. needs to be more responsible. I used yeah. to recruit for a fortune well, I'm going to narrow it down really fast here, a Fortune 5 company. Um, And we were, the recruiting department was the last to know when a huge contract was signed that required a huge uh, hiring, you know, a new hiring class of, and, but yeah, we were expected to deliver it in six weeks. You can't tell me you didn't have that contract in the pipeline and you knew when it was going to close and you knew when this was going to come down. Like there can be better planning on behalf of the business more. And why don't we have pipeline again? Don't even get me started on pipeline. You mean we're going to start recruiting today? There's no pipeline built for this <laughs> when we know that this is the kind of talent the business routinely needs. And these are the growth goals of the business. So we're probably going to need a few of them this year. Like we, we, and then that we, goes back into not that thing with the TA department that, you know, the people that bring in the people and the people make the company succeed, right? Yeah. Simple. It's really simple, but let's not give them the money for the tech to have a pipeline or the money for the training to know how to talk to people properly or be fearless and push back and all this kind of stuff. It frustrates me. Yeah. mm, I had this this conversation with one of my favorite TA tech providers out there. I I think automation is so, so key. And I know your book is called The Robot Proof Recruiter. I'm not talking about making recruiters robots. I'm talking about helping recruiters. Assist. Assist. Help recruiters uh, by giving them good tools to make them more efficient and, and smarter about their job. I mean, this is, this is like, give me a recruiter assistant and that might be a tool. It might be a better process. It might be a better approval process. Like there's so many ways we can assist the job of the recruiter to make sure that they have the time and the skills and tools to be strategic. Yeah, I agree. By the way, I know it's called the robot proof recruiter, but it is all about using tech to support the human. Yeah, where it's around the other way currently, kind of blocking the human getting to the other human to just get hired. Yeah, I I totally agree. I use automation. God, like it's really funny how people are like, oh, you must be against it. No, if you sign up to my newsletter, you will get four emails that all come mm-hmm. out beautifully scheduled with a tool. <laughs> and I haven't been a, a recruiter filling recs for a long time, but I have to imagine recruiters probably 
pick their job, if they're in-house or whoever they're, however they're engaged in their, in their trade, uh, they probably pick that opportunity based on the tools they'll have access to. If they feel supported and assisted and they get to work with a decent toolkit and tech Mm -hmm. stack, Mm-hmm. versus not. I mean, that's the, your whole, that's your entire ability to be successful. Oh yeah. That, that's definitely happening. Cause yeah. I, I, again, I'm seeing that, that, oh, they're not, they're not prepared. So through the interview process, mind you, I'm also saying ridiculous things. A source has sent me like the outline of what she had been through. I think it was something like five interviews and a presentation to then get no feedback for a senior sourcing role. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. It's a bit bent out of shape. It is. I'd love to see reform and I think it will happen. It has to because what's work what what's in place isn't working right now. I think this is a perfect time for hiring transformation. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean fix the processes that make this not strategic within the business. Fix mm-hmm. how we view and access and prepare talent to be optimized. I mean, the goal of the business that's why I say the recruiter is one of the most strategic roles in the business. Anybody who's responsible for people activating talent for business outcomes, I can't think of a more important role within the business, but you have to create the environment where you can activate talent, the right talent at the right time for the right need within the business. Yeah. And there's a lot of things we need to sort of de-silo or un, you know, there, there are problems with how we're able to do that. We don't let talent flow. The right hand doesn't talk to the left hand. We can't properly deploy people on behalf of the business if our own processes and tools and systems aren't allowing us to actually see what we have and what skills they have to offer and to do that matching and alignment in a timely fashion. And then there's the process itself. Of course, you're going to have to acquire talent um, from time to time, if they're not, you know, you're going to have to go buy if you can't yeah, build yeah. And, and or rent them for the, you know, for the business. So of course, there's the buy scenario. Yeah. Um, and that experience for the recruiter and the hiring manager, as well as for the candidate, could be much more elegant, much more respectful. Um, the, the current, it just shocks me the way we, we post uh, the fact, and it's pretty apparent right now in, in the current talent market, we're we set up these talent acquisition departments to be inbound. Yeah. We make it, come find me. It's like this game, come find me. I'm hiring, but you have to do all the work to find me and to sort through mm-hmm. you know, my career site and my ATS and figure out what I call this mystery job because it's probably not what you call it. And then read yeah. this terrible job description that's all about me, nothing about you. Like we play this sleuthing game with candidates that's gotten better, but you know what I mean? We still make this, you know, we, we, you have to come find us, seek Mm -hmm. us out instead of setting up this really good, you know, sort of outbound function that builds a community and builds a a pipeline of people that you're probably going to be interested in at some point, and then making it easy for them to fall into your laps when you need them or for you to have a conversation when it's time. Yes. That's my other thing. Actually, I, can't, I wish I could remember what website I opened, but I loved it. I opened it. It was definitely HR Tech. And I opened it and it said, we are hiring. And I refreshed the page and thought, have I landed on your careers page or something? No, it was the homepage, bold letters, we are hiring. And I thought, wow, you know, usually it's tucked down the bottom and you can't find it. And it's, 
yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And then the autoresponder doesn't say, oh, you've just applied. It's Jess. I'm, I'm your recruiter. I'm going to, you know. Yeah. 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 If that. jobs, I'm telling you, like consider e-commerce, like what you just yeah. said, you, know, you go to a, consider e-commerce. That if jobs buy. were products, we would never buy them. No. We, the pro, like the candidate experience of attempting to procure a job mm. through all of the things that you make them procure it through. It's ridiculous. If it yeah. took me that many clicks in two weeks and all these steps in a process to actually buy a product, I'd be like, see you later. I needed this yesterday. But it, it's, um, it's daft, isn't it? When you think about like just an incident last night. So um, my, my, I randomly live with my ex-husband. Most people know that. It's odd, but whatever. We get on. And my phone came up and said, Richard's been in an accident. So it was like, okay, his Garmin's telling me that he's stopped suddenly. Okay, mm -hmm. fair enough. So I open another app and I can see he's physically moving on his bicycle. Okay, so he's fine. And it's like, I did that in two seconds. And I wasn't yeah. the slightest bit bothered. And if he'd stopped moving, I'd have called him. But it was like, yeah. I can see. And it's like, why aren't we making recruitment like that? Mm -hmm. We all know that we can check in on our family. We can know exactly where we are on the planet, you know. Yeah. It's why can't I see that my application? And and if you're at least in an application are. acknowledgement, that's fine. But I should be able to see my my application move through mm. a hiring process, just like I see my pizza my being pizza. <laughs> I really do wish the pizza place wasn't across the road. <laughs> so bad. And it will say in the oven. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I would be, yeah, if I could smell fresh bread or fresh dough baking, I would, I'd have a problem. It's very dangerous. It's very, I am actually moving in the next few months, which will be so good for my waistline. Because <laughs> I'll have to actually come over here and get one. So, bless. Um, just, this has been absolutely amazing, of course. Well, I loved catching up with you and That's talking about time. I know I definitely in person in like four years three years oh bloody too pandemic. long no, we have to <laughs> rectify that I think your boss needs to send you to London for a visit I have a reason to go too I'll have a new client there soon so maybe we'll make this happen oh love it <laughs> we'll do another yeah. podcast in person on the edge of the Thames or something I've done that oh, with Jim Stroud it. before it was so much fun <laughs> So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way if they want to know more about what you're doing, LeapGen's doing, of course, WorkDrive? Yeah, we, I mean, LeapGen.com is our website. We have a community we call the Now of Work. We broadcast live for the community every Friday. We have an what's online the community. Now the Now of Work, we actually, you know, at the height of the pandemic, we, <laughs> Jason Averbrook and I sort of looked at each other and said, what do we do? How do we reach people now? How do we keep talking? How do we help? in the moment. Mm -hmm. And the future of work became the now of work overnight. Oh, Forget God. talking about the future. Like we're in the here and now and mm -hmm. transformation is not just imminent. It's like, it, this is a matter of survival at this mm -hmm. point. And so we formed a community called the now of work. We started talking, gathering. Um, and now we've got over 17,000 people in, wow. in this like online space. And like this crazy number of people hang out with us every Friday and just listen to us talk with interesting guests. We'll have you on soon. Oh. Um, to just talk I about mean, what's what happening. Time, it's at 12 noon central time. So well, 6 p.m. your, your time. And we have quite I, a global I have of you having it like, Katrina, come on at midnight and me going. <laughs> <laughs> I totally would as well. Oh my gosh. Well, I would encourage anybody to, to kind of hang out in our community. It's a, it's a safe space. We have each other's backs there. We do to real talk about work, people, life, tech, culture, like what's going on in the world. So that's a, a great place to engage with us. Other, other than that, I'm 
Jess Von Bank everywhere on social. I'm probably most active these days on LinkedIn, um, which makes me giggle because uh, I never found it to be a super engaging platform, but I think it's getting better or I'm using it better. I'm not sure. (laughs) They gave me the newsletter function and I'm like, wow, I've got 7,000 people subscribed to my newsletter. I'm like, if they take that away from me, like they did live and all of those, I would just... I got live and newsletter and I haven't done anything with either. So maybe it's not worth it. You'll get like two people watch. But the newsletter, as long as you, I made something really catchy because I went recruitment isn't broken because I don't think it's broken. It's bent the hell out of shape though. But um, yeah. And that caught attention. So you've got whatever you come up with. You're a marketer. You'll come up with All right. <laughs> now, now I feel challenged to do my first newsletter on LinkedIn. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it. And then thing like once a fortnight or something. Don't make it too mm-hmm. stressful. Once a month if it's too stressful. Yeah. But that's been I quite cool. It. But I just hope that they don't turn around and take it away. Well, I like that. I love that they're trying new features. Um, yeah. I mean, people really need, it's a professional networking site. And there's nothing we need more than to connect around work and jobs and opportunity and just helping people. Yeah. This yeah. is such a ripe time for change and making good improvements because we have to, yes, but yeah. because yeah. we should have. So yeah. let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And professional does yeah. mean you can have your cat and your dog photos and your children and every other part of your life in there as well. Absolutely. Bring that out there for the Facebook listeners. Um, <laughs> Jess, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I so appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time, thank you. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.